So we are starting a new series this week that I'm super excited about, and it's titled Human, Who God Says I Am and Why It Matters. And James and I, when doing the research for this series, we found a lot of material about our identity in Christ, like who I am as a Christian and, and how, uh, what that gives me. But we found far less, or far fewer resources that had to do with the question of what is true of all people on planet Earth. In other words, what does it mean to be a human? And yet we think that this is extremely important today because a lot of Americans start with the assumption that we are just cosmic accidents and that we, we came to be uh, through the random processes of evolution. And if you start with the assumption that you are a cosmic accident and then you seek to answer the question, what, what does it mean to be a human and who am I? You will arrive at radically different answers than you will if you uh, study the Bible and see what God says. And so we, I mean, think, let's think about that logically. If I'm a cosmic accident, then uh, I'm, I don't owe anyone for my existence, right? I'm beholden to no one. I answer to me. If I'm a cosmic accident, then, then my value is my contribution to society. That's, that gives me value. If I'm a cosmic accident, then my life doesn't have any intrinsic purpose. It has whatever purpose I give to it. If I'm a cosmic accident, well, this life is all I get. If I'm a cosmic accident, well, then there is no right and wrong. Those are just constructs of society that, that we foist upon each other to live harmoniously together. If I am a cosmic accident, then I'm not going to answer to anybody. I don't have to give an account for, to anyone for the way I live my life. And, and that is, those are the answers that a, a lot of our uh, coworkers and classmates and friends and even family uh, have to the question of, what does it mean to be human? Who am I? And because it's such a pop, those are such pop ideas, so, so popular, uh, the fact of the matter is they seep into our own thinking. And so we need to periodically be renewed in our thinking by looking at what God says about who I am. And so we have uh, eight statements that form this sermon series that we believe should be uh, the self-identity of every person on the planet. And here they are. We're going to take uh, one each week, unpack it, uh, see where it's taught in the scriptures and talk about its significance. So, number one, I was made on purpose for a purpose. Number two, I am in God's image and therefore valuable. Number three, God chose my gender and it is good. Number four, I have a sin nature, but Jesus Christ can help me rise above it. Number five, I am designed to have loving relationships with other people. Six, I am accountable to God for how I live. Seven, I will live forever. And my future depends upon my relationship to Jesus Christ. And then finally, I'm designed for a love relationship with 
God. If you are not yet a Christian, then uh, our sincere desire and our prayer is that God will use this series to give you a vision for life that you find so beautiful and so compelling that you will run to God in faith. One of my favorite courses in college was titled The History of Life by Stephen J. Gould. At the time, one of the world's foremost evolutionary biologists, uh, he, taught the, uh, he came up with the theory of punctuated equilibrium. And it was one of my favorite courses, not because I agreed with it, because it was provocative. And I remember one of the first classes, Stephen Jay Gould raised, uh, up a Bible, held up a Bible, and he said, I know that many of you come here today, and your understanding of the history of life is rooted in this book. And I predict that by the end of this class, your understanding of of how you came to be and how everything came to be will no longer be rooted in this myth, but in the facts of science. He threw down the gauntlet, and he said, you're going to lose your naive faith in God as your creator. Well, no, I'm not. (laughs) So, and I didn't. Uh, I went through the class. Actually, it strengthened my faith because I figured if this is the best you've got, well, and I don't feel at the end of this compelled at all to give up my belief in God, my creator, and in my uh, belief in God's word and its account of creation. Well, my friend and uh, roommate for two years, Ben, he didn't uh, survive the course. He lost his faith in God through that course. And we had many conversations from that point on that went something like this. Ben would say, Mike, now that I no longer believe in God, uh, I I don't have an intrinsic purpose to my life. And in fact, when it, as I reason it, I think if life's pain outweighs life's pleasure, why in the world do what I live? Now, Ben, unfortunately, suffered from depression, and although he took uh, full advantage of the free Harvard psychologists while we were in college, um, and I know that his depression was um, rooted in far more than just his philosophical angst, uh, the fact of the matter is Stephen Jay Gould had taken out from under Ben uh, something that kept him going even even in his depression. Right? Okay, I'm depressed, life is not fun, but you know what? My life does have some divine purpose and meaning. And when that was stripped away, Ben wrestled with this question of, when the pain outweighs the pleasure, why in the world live? And a year after he graduated from college, he put the gun to his head and pulled the trigger, and I gave the eulogy at his funeral, and I'm not a fan of Stephen Jay Gould. What What did he think he was doing? Oh, he's going to just free us naive young people, liberate us. Well, not everybody who who believes they're a cosmic accident, you know, goes down this path of what's the point of living. A lot of people reconcile themselves to that and live a a, a productive life, a a happy life. But the fact of the matter is uh, these questions of who am I matter. And sometimes they're matter, it's life and death. What I wish Ben had believed is what I am 
been pounding home today, and it's just simple. I, I am made, and so are you, on purpose for a purpose. I am made on purpose for a purpose. Turn in, a, in your Bibles, if you've got them, to Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 to 28. And we're going to spend a lot of time in uh, the first few chapters of the Bible during this series because God answers uh, the big questions of who am I right off the bat. Genesis chapter 1, starting in verse 26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. We were made on purpose. God deliberated amongst himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and he said, You know what? Let's make people. And let's make people in our image. And so... Who we are is not the product of random evolutionary processes like natural selection. Who we are is exactly who God wanted us to be. You were made on purpose. You are not an accident. In fact, later in, uh, just a little bit later, God sees Adam and Eve and he says, very good, very good. You were made on purpose for a purpose. And that's what I want to spend most of today on is what is our purpose in life? Let me tell it to you and then we're going to unpack it. My purpose in life, your purpose in life is to glorify God by reflecting his character in everything I do. My purpose in life is to glorify God by reflecting him, his character in everything I do. And God's, uh, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion. I want to talk about the principle of representative dominion. And here's an illustration of it. Queen Elizabeth, United Kingdom. Uh, they have, there are 15 kind of commonwealth, uh, commonwealths, I think they're called, and Queen Elizabeth, she's the monarch, but because she lives in England, uh, one of those uh, commonwealths is New Zealand. She doesn't live in New Zealand, so she appoints a representative. And it's called, uh, she's called the Governor General. And right now her name is Dame Patsy Reddy. She is the Governor General of New Zealand. But for her to succeed in her job, she needs to rule in accordance with the will and the ways of the queen, right? And so it requires her to be in constant contact with Queen Elizabeth, and so she understands what is the queen's will. And and the people of New Zealand, for this to work correctly, the people of New Zealand should feel in the uh, leadership of Dame Patsy Reddy as if the queen is in charge of them. God created this world 
And then he made people in his image, and he said, now you rule the earth in my stead according to my will and ways. People should feel in the way we uh, conduct ourselves as if God is, is right there. Representative dominion. Look at verse 28. I, I, verse 26 is God, uh, verse 26 is God talking to himself. Verse 27 uh, is him creating men and women. And verse 28, here's what he actually tells Adam and Eve. So here's, here are the instructions that we have received from God. Uh, this is often called the creation mandate. And God blessed them, Adam and Eve, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Three parts. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. That's the first. So that implies marriage and children and families. And as the earth is filled, it uh, involves people living next to each other. Uh, which is society, and then because, uh, because of the sin nature, there's the need for uh, rules and the need for police and the need for government. And so, uh, if you're involved in any of that, according to God's will and ways, then you are fulfilling God's purpose for your life. And He, he is pleased with that, and He will bless that. You see, uh, you don't have to be a religious leader to be fulfilling God's purpose for your life. It's much bigger uh, than just re religious uh, activity. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Subdue the earth. Now, for Adam and Eve, subduing the earth looked a lot like farming and making tools. But boy, today... Uh, it involves extracting oil from the ground in order to power engines that are involved in subduing the earth, boat building. Uh, it involves roads and the building of houses and, um, and banking, because banking is necessary to make it, you know, to, to grease the wheels and make it all work. It involves uh, harnessing the wind power and, and harnessing the nu nuclear energy and pretty much most stuff in the economy that is productive. Uh, econ that's all part of God's purpose for our lives. And so if you, you, know, if you spend your um, waking hours and your work hours not as a uh, a worker of the church doesn't mean you're not fulfilling God's purpose for your life, right? You're fulfilling part of the creation mandate as long as we are doing it according to God's uh, will and ways reflecting his character. Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and then finally, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. We, uh, with with authority comes great responsibility, right? 
And so God has entrusted this creation that he made and and cares about to us. And so uh, we have to think about managing it well. And obviously we can't, you know, would God not care about future generations? Uh, Would God just say, you know, uh, pillage the earth and uh, make it all a big parking lot? I doubt it. Uh, so we have to be good stewards. I think of fish and game management, right? And, and some uh, of the environmental work that's done to really think about how can we live on, on earth in, in, a, in a healthy way and be good stewards. So the point is, God's purpose for our lives is, it, it's a huge purpose that we can all be engaged in. Now, one thing I want you to wrestle with is... Uh, Video games. I don't see that in here. No. Uh, entertainment, you know, obviously, is not a bad thing. But uh, I, he, he doesn't say, and then go entertain yourselves to death, right? And some of us can, it, it can be tempting to not be part of God's purpose. You know, this purpose that he's given us because we're too selfish or we're too just trying to Uh, enjoy ourselves and not be contributors. There are three primary relationships where we work out our life purpose. And the first relationship is our relationship with God, right? So if we are going to reflect God, then we need to know God. And and we need to know his character and we need to know his uh, will and his ways. And and, and better yet, we need the, uh, the Spirit of God at work within us, making us like Him. Nobody has perfectly lived out her God-given or His God-given life purpose except our Lord Jesus Christ. So if you want to know what it looks like to live the perfect human life, well, you look at Jesus, and you follow His example, and you pattern your life according to His teachings. Um, so, our first relationship is our relationship with God, and Jesus said the end goal, the goal of that is to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And if we're loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, then in that relationship, we are fulfilling our purpose. Then, as, then it's our relationship with other people. And, and our relationship with other people, they are uh, fellow um, stewards of the earth, they're fellow, they're created in God's image. They're equal with us, all humans. They're equal with us. There's partners with us. They're ruling uh, creation with us. And Jesus says that there, the goal is to love our neighbor as ourselves, right? Love our neighbor as ourselves. If I'm, doing, if I'm doing that, then I am fulfilling my purpose in that key relation, those key relationships. And then it's our relationship with the animal kingdom and with the earth in which the goal is to be a faithful steward. A faithful steward. So no one, I've said, nobody, no one has fulfilled his or her life purpose, perfect, purpose perfectly except our Lord Jesus Christ. But the fact of the matter is, uh, some people do a lot better job of it than others. There are some people who, 
they don't care about God at all. They, sometimes they deny his existence. Or they are worshiping a false god, which means that they're, they're completely confused about God's character and his will and ways. And so in this key relationship, they're, they're completely off. They're not fulfilling God's purpose for their lives at all in their relationship with God. And for some people, their relationship with other people, other people are to be used, right? They're, they exist to serve me. And I'll step on them to get ahead, and I'll manipulate them to, to get what I need. And I don't, I'm not making decisions in life based on what's good for other people. I'm making decisions in life on what's good for me. That's not fulfilling your life purpose. And then there's the relationship to the created world in which, like when I was 14 years old, my friend and I were trying out his BB gun, and we thought we needed to shoot a bird to hone in our skills. I don't think God was pleased with that, and actually I felt very bad. So some people are just, they're not concerned about being a steward. They're concerned about, uh, I'm going to take what I can from the, from the earth right now to serve me, and I don't care about the future. And, and its impact on the animal kingdom or on the world. But the good news is, so, so I don't know, you know, where are we on that continuum of how well, I mean, this is the thing we've got to ask ourselves, how well am I fulfilling God's purpose for my life? And God says, you know what, I will help you live it out even more. And as Christians, we have a tremendous advantage in this. Because we are living in right relationship with God, His Spirit indwells us, it transforms us from the inside out so that we desire uh, to the things of God and we are being, becoming uh, like, more like Jesus. And we are taught to, to uh, love others and Jesus tells us very practically what that looks like and we, we strive to put that into practice. And we recognize creation is, is God's and Bottom line is we're motivated because uh, someday we want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. The fact of the matter is we are happier the more we are living our true purpose. That's the reality. The more that you um, live out the purpose that God has designed you for, which he has revealed to us in his will, the happier we are. Oh, and, and this makes sense, doesn't it? It makes sense that uh, God would design his world so that when we're going about the purpose that he's created us for, uh, we would be blessed. And, and there are, God has built rewards into this, into this world. Why is it that marriages that um, are based upon Christian uh, love and Christian values, why, why do they typically thrive? relationships of all sorts that where you're putting uh, the needs of, of others uh, above your own. Why, why does that thrive? Why, why is it that businesses that operate according to Christian values, why do they tend to succeed? Why, when we are um, conducting ourselves in righteousness, are our bodies typically healthier, right? God is built into his world just some natural blessings that accompany fulfilling uh, walking in the purpose for which he's created us. And there's the uh, personal sense of satisfaction that comes with 
knowing I have a purpose beyond that which I give myself and that I'm walking in it. There's a lot of joy and satisfaction in that. And then finally, uh, the fact of the matter is we will give an account of our lives to our Creator. And someday we're going to have to say, um, all right, God, you gave me life and you told me, you know, what you expected from me and here is how I live my life. And Jesus is very clear that for some, God will say, well done, good and faithful servant. In fact, he's going to say, you know what? I gave you a, a responsibility over a little bit, and you were faithful, so now I give you dominion over a lot more. And that's what we want to hear. What we don't want to hear is, you wicked servant, you wasted, you squandered the life I gave you. So what are we going to hear? What are you going to hear from God? You're squandering or well done, or where on that continuum, right? Well done here, but hey, you squandered it here. 